Let us pray before we look again at this passage. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that in your great mercy, you have given us your word. And that as we look at these words of the Lord Jesus, which you've given us, we would see what we ought to seek. We ask that we may seek life. Amen. I wonder what it is that you seek in life. Do you seek life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? Or do you seek wealth, perhaps? Or achievement, the approval of others, security, or comfort? Or is it something else? I wonder what it is that you seek in life. What you really, really, really desire, deep down, more than anything else. It's an interesting question, but it's not an academic question. For our eternity hangs on what we really, really, really desire. As our passage today makes clear, eternity is at stake. Let's have a look again at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus here uses three metaphors to convey the concept of trying to get something. Ask, seek, and knock. And remarkably, what he says is those who ask, seek, and knock will receive, find, and are let in. That is, that they get what they are trying to get. And at first glance, you look at this and you think, what a wonderful promise. Like a genie in a bottle who grants wishes. What is being described here? Is that what it is? It is a bit cryptic. Well, we can tell that it's not the granting of wishes because, like a genie, uh, we can see that that's not consistent with other Bible verses that tell us about the sovereignty of God. So what is it? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. Those who believe in him and are saved, he teaches them how to live as God's saved people. And he's been teaching them this radical new way of life, an upside-down way of life, a way of life that is different from the Pharisees on the one hand, the religious elite, and the pagans on the other. And this is the way of life that is blessed, as we saw in the Beatitudes. It is the way of life that is focused on the kingdom of God or as we would call it, heaven. And indeed, as we followed through in chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew's Gospel, we saw that it was about praying kingdom prayers and having the kingdom as your treasure and not money. And as we look at the second part of 
chapter 7, the part after this passage, we see it's about the danger on the road to get to the kingdom. And so I think we should see that the thing that Jesus' disciples are trying to get here, that Jesus is talking about here, is the kingdom. That makes the most sense of ask, seek and knock. What do you ask for or seek for and what are you trying to get into? Well, it is the kingdom. And the good news is, you will receive the kingdom. That is, those who truly want it, those who ask, seek and knock, will receive it. And we know from elsewhere in the Scriptures that is through faith in the Lord Jesus. And in the next three verses, we see why Jesus is so confident about people receiving the kingdom. Have a look at verses 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God is more generous than us, says Jesus. And He says, even you are generous to your children. And that is true, isn't it? We are generous to our children, at least usually that's the case in humanity. But God is perfect. And loves his children perfectly. So how much more generous is God going to be to us? There's Jesus' logic here. The goodness and generosity of God gives us confidence that God will give us the kingdom when we ask, seek and knock. He will give us faith in Jesus which qualifies us for heaven. And that is one of the good gifts that God gives to His children. And friends, that gives us confidence about our entrance into the kingdom. For it's not based on our performance, but on the character of God, the good character of God, that He loves His children. It is not based on anything we might do. And if you want to know how much He loves His children, we need only look at the death of His Son, the Lord Jesus, for us. And so we can know with certainty that God has given us the good gift of the kingdom to those who ask, seek and knock. Of course, another good gift God gives His children is to live the new way of life that Jesus calls His disciples to live now that they have been saved. And Jesus sums it up again in verse 12. He says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This verse is often called the golden rule. I've always wondered why it's called the golden rule. Are the other ones silver and bronze? It's a strange thing to say, but what it's saying, we call it the golden rule, what we really mean is it sums up a lot of good stuff. And that is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that what we do to others, that we should do that, that we should do to others what others, what we would have others do to us. 
And it's, it's a similar kind of summing up sentence to Matthew 22, 37 to 40, where Jesus says that loving God and loving your neighbour sums up all the law and the prophets. Okay? If you love God and you love your neighbour, you will naturally fulfil the law. Well, Jesus is saying a similar kind of thing here. Uh, in the other one, it was the attitude of love means you'll fulfill the law. Here, he's saying it's about actions. In verse 12, it's about actions. Do to others what you would have them do to you. And this reminds us that the, action, the genuine love is more than pious motives. Genuine love motivates us to action. So it's a different way of summing up the law and the prophets. And this time, it's on with an emphasis on action. Do to others what you would have them do to you. It's about more than motives or words. It's actual actions. It's the different way of life that we as followers of Jesus live. And at the end of the passage, we see how vital it is to seek the kingdom and its righteousness. Have a look at verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is one of the, this is one of the passages of Scripture that send a chill down your spine. It speaks of two ways to live. One is easy to find, it's comfortable and many live it. The broad, wide road that leads to destruction. And the other is hard to find, uncomfortable and few find it. The narrow road that leads to life. Friends, Jesus here reminds his disciples of several things. First, that they will normally be a minority. Genuine followers of Jesus will almost always be the exception rather than the rule. The crowd, he says, goes in a different direction. The few genuine followers of Jesus, well, they travel the path that is less travelled. And it's less travelled for a reason, for it's the more difficult road, at least in the short term. Going along with the crowd is almost always easier in life, isn't it? Almost always easy to go along with the crowd. You fit in, you belong, there's strength in numbers. In one sense, it's easier in the short term to not follow Jesus. You don't have to accept his lordship. And live how you please. But that is in the short term. In the long term, the cost is your destruction. Rather than qualify for heaven, you qualify for hell. It is a sad end to life's journey. And reading this should be sobering for all of us. And yet Jesus tells us this, despite it being confronting, 
because He wants us to know the truth. He wants us to see the starkness of the choice. And He wants us to choose wisely. He wants us to see that the way of life that is harder in the short term is the best in the long term. That trusting Jesus and following Him leads to life. Life in the kingdom that never ends. This is the best option in the long run. And Jesus tells it to us so that we count the cost of following Jesus and then choose wisely. So, friends, let us choose wisely. Let us ask, seek and knock for the kingdom. May that be what we really, really, really desire in life the kingdom of God. For we know that God will give the good gift of the kingdom to those who really seek it. We know this because God is good and far more generous than us. And so we have confidence that He will give faith in Jesus and entrance to the kingdom. And we have confidence that He will change us by His Spirit so that we will live the radical, new, upside-down Jesus way of life. Doing to others what we would have them do to us. Love in action. So friends, let us choose wisely and seek life. Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that in your great mercy you have sent us the Lord Jesus. And that today he has spoken to us of life and death, of heaven and hell. And we pray that we would be people who would choose wisely. May we ask, seek and knock. May we read above anything else. And we thank you for the goodness that of your character that assures us of our salvation. And that we do not merit it in any way. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that having been saved, we would indeed, by your Spirit, live that radical Jesus way of life, showing love in our actions, as we do to others, so that we might bring honour and glory to the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.